Welcome to the Neanderthal Mind, bringing you riveting, educational, humorous, and sometimes serious perspectives on how our Neanderthal ancestors' will to survive still has a profound effect on our modern mind, body, and soul. Take a journey with us as we roll back the clock thousands of years to discuss all aspects of our Neanderthal ancestors. All right, my fellow cave dwellers, if you're ready, let's get this wheel rolling. Now here's your host and the leader of the pack, Anthony Yokolano. Welcome, cave dwellers, to this episode of the Neanderthal Mind. Joining me today, once again, is Neanderthal Joe. I mentioned in previous episodes that Joe will be joining me on the podcast as a co-host. So, with that being said, Joe and myself agreed that we do not need to do any long introduction of himself. Because now he is part of the show. So without further ado, join Neanderthal Joe and me for a discussion about Neanderthals. And as always, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And make sure you visit Neanderthal Joe's social links to keep up with all he does for the Neanderthal community. I will see you on the flip side, cave dwellers. And welcome back, Joe. Uh, thank you for having me again. Yeah, man. <laughs> thank you for coming on again. What are we at now? Heck, man, four or five now, right? Uh, yeah, at least five. At least I, five episodes, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna, we can almost, well, I mean, they'll come out as episodes, but, you know, I mean, we've already told our communities what the deal was with this, but that, I guess it's still considered an episode. It's you and yeah. me talking, you know what I mean? Which is, uh, which is something that I was hoping to get into, you know, whenever we talked about you coming on as a co-host sort of thing, you know, just a little back and forth between the two of us. I'm sure you'll be doing most of the talking and I'll be doing most of the asking because <laughs> you're, you're a little more in depth into it than I am. So. Yeah. No, well, I mean, it, I think it will help to have, um, I'm not an expert by any means, but I'm knowledgeable. Yes. So definitely help to have, I guess, me on every now and then to absolutely talk to the actual experts in the field. <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, I hope we keep talking, but, and I, I really want to have you and uh, Meg on, you know, EA Megs. I want to have you both on at the same time sort of kind of a, a little round table so we'll have to work yeah. on that and see what fits both for uh uh you know for the for, for all three of us you know definitely so well, let's um, let's uh, go ahead no, what were you gonna say um i'm excited for that when it happens that yes. we're all super busy people so that's why it hasn't it, happened it, yet yeah for this one since i'm co-host now mm -hmm. i've uh i've been i've been messaging a lot of people um like professors that I've seen in various videos and all that asking if they'd be interested to either come on yours or do an episode with me or whatever. Um, hopefully they'd rather do an episode for this because this is the actual podcast. Well, with EA Megs, you did that interview and I uploaded it as well, you know, so uh, that, that always, that can always work out that way as well. It's, you know, I'm okay with that as long as you are, you know? Yeah, of course, of course. Well, let's get into it. So you wanted me to, or you wanted to talk about bone owls in the middle Paleolithic. 
Yes. So um, let's start with what is bone awls? So basically a bone awl is a, it's a pointy bone. Um, it's, I would say it's the predecessor to the needle in a way. Okay. Um, it's commonly used to pierce hides or uh, it can be used for digging if you needed to or scraping out bone marrow. Um, <laughs> but mostly in the archaeological record, it is commonly used for um, piercing hides for sewing. And I recently found out that they've actually found bone awls in Middle Paleolithic levels. So Neanderthals and all that were using bone awls hundreds of thousands of years ago before we even knew, which means that they could have been making laced clothing um, to really make a watertight or airtight seal with clothing. You need a proper bone needle. And so far those have not been discovered in Neanderthal layers. And so that makes scientists believe more, which is actually something me and Dr. Bisson talked about is um, he personally believes that Neanderthals were not actually sewing clothing, but lacing them, which means um, you can still make great clothing. And to sort of talk about that, or the next subject or whatever, we're going to sort of talk about primitive clothing. Yes. Um, yeah, we, but, can, uh, we can roll right into that too. As if you're going to blend the two together, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. All right. Yeah, that's perfect then. I, I just wasn't sure which direction to take that. Yeah, no, but, that's fine. So kind of leading into with bone awls and primitive clothing, I myself, I've been making a whole outfit out of cow hides. We're, we're sort of, um, me and my audience have been calling it the Aurochs Hunter Clan clothing. And uh, basically, instead of using a bone needle or a modern needle, I've been using an awl and then sewing it together with um, leather thongs. So a leather thong is basically leather strips. <clears throat> and um, I find that it, it actually holds together well, and it's a very sturdy thread. Um, or, or leather strips are more sturdy than actual um, thread. But then, uh, on some areas, you're forced to use thread, and you can still sew with thread and a bone all. So I don't, I don't fully agree with all the professionals that you need a bone needle to sew, but it definitely makes it easier, and. Um, so far, I've got one legging done, a tunic, and a loincloth. And a loincloth is basically um, caveman underwear. It's the quickest way to just explain it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seeing the uh, 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 post that you did uh, for the uh, legging, one legging. So I was wondering about that, uh, that like the upper part of the legging what what type of material is that it's like black and i mean it almost looked silky but i could be wrong just that might just be the picture um they are from so i'm trying to keep them as close to aurox hides as possible so i'm mm -hmm. using cow hides okay all right. and i'm using i'm using a type of angus bull that has a red stripe down its back which um male aurox most likely did okay. if uh, looking at cave paintings and genetics Aurochs were most likely solid black with um, a red stripe, and the females were likely a sort of reddish beige color, which is actually what I used for my boots that I sewn together, also with a bone needle. Um, but yeah, um, sort of when I started this project, I assumed that making primitive clothing would be 
extremely difficult. And it is to an extent if you're using, like I am, 100% Stone Age tools and not any metal. If you're not using any metal tools, sorry. It, um, it takes, it's more time and getting the correct pattern. So the, and making leggings and sleeves and all that is super easy. But the problem begins to start with when you're making gloves or boots or hoodies. And um, I don't really want to call them shirts. I call them tunics, but that's not really what they are. Once you start getting away from the limbs, the it becomes super complex. And um, that's where I need to sort of learn more of. But I, I didn't want to start making leggings or um, sleeves just because I thought they were difficult. But really, it's just make one side wider and then sort of taper it down and then sew them together. And that's the most basic I can put it is it's pretty easy. Just if you want to start it, get some cheap leather and start. You'll look like a Mad Max character until you get animal hides. But, uh, <laughs> get out there and practice. It's um, It's not as hard as you think. Now, so had, did you try that outside? Like, is there any warmth to it? Any uh, protection? What, what I guess, um, I guess the question could be is, what do you think that provided for our Neanderthal ancestors slash cousins? Uh, was it, you know, more of a warmth? Was it more of a protection? I would say, so aurochs live in sort of temperate climates, so. I would say the coldest they would live is comparable to Ontario, which can still get pretty cold, minus 15 to 20. Um, but aurochs temp mostly lived right in the tree line. So bison, wood bison or European bison lived deeper into the woods, and aurochs would live right where the grassland, grasslands start and then the woods. I would say if you're going to wear cow hides or oroxides or whatever, it would be more for protection against thorns and bushes and such because cow hide, it's, um, they got a very small layer of hair. It's actually, it's actually cow hair, not fur. Um, and fur is better at keeping you warm than hair is. So I don't necessarily think that orox hide would be made for warmth, but rather protection. Okay. Very good. Now, Will that hair or fur start to fall off, fall off after a while? I mean, I guess um, wear and tear will make it fall off. Yeah, so hair doesn't really slip as much as deer hair will, or um, caribou or whatever. Cow hides are actually very good for not slipping after a while, but deer hides will after a few years. Um, so... And obviously, you'll, I'll have to replace this if I begin to wear it to events and such, um, which is just natural. Uh, but I've got a few years before they start to do that. Very good. So then events, I don't know if you wanted to, do you have any events? Well, I guess getting towards winter, there's not going to be many events to participate in, I guess. Huh? Um, no, unfortunately not. But during the winter, and or not winter, <laughs> Uh, during the spring and fall, there is powwows and, um, we, so me and the other flint nappers in the area are invited over and I got the local museum's permission to start teaching them sort of about European technologies, like, um, not modern technologies, but stone age technologies from the old world. 
So I'm going to sort of see how far I can push that and see if they'll let me show people Neanderthal technology. Awesome. That's, that's awesome. Now, now you, you work at, where, now, where do you, you work at a museum or something? Is that correct? Or? Um, I, volu- I volunteer a few okay. times. I, I don't actually work at one. Okay. That's awesome. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Because I know you had maybe had a couple pictures or something of something from the museums, I, I believe. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. The, um, first time I went, I took like 100 pictures because I was a bunch of cool stuff, arrowheads and all that. Yeah, um, still can't find arrowheads. I would love to find one, but <laughs> I, I I've only found uh, like bases of arrowheads, oh, never okay. a full one. Well, I found part of a full one, and I found a quarry blank or um, a biface, and I I can't remember if I found an arrowhead. I think I might have. I'm not completely sure, but there's you're not in the right area. You. You're going to find flake tools and maybe an axe head every now and then. Oh, man, that would be, that would be just, I, I don't know what I would, I don't know what I would do. I'd scream like a little girl probably if I saw them. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So talking about arrowheads, why don't we get into, um, unless there was any more you want to talk on your, uh, on the clothing that you were, that you're uh, experimenting no, I, with. I, I think I covered most of it. Um, if people want, they can go to my Instagram or Facebook and they can see the uh, pictures of my hide or uh, yeah, clothing primitive clothing so far. Uh, it's not I need a few more cow hides, and that's really the the hardest part about all of it is uh, getting the money together for the materials. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep on. Definitely, we'll keep. Um adding to the show notes all the links that they can go to to donate money without a doubt yeah i mean i'm sure they want you to keep bringing them awesome uh content that you've been bringing so hopefully they realize to do that you know they need to donate a little bit you know every little bit helps every yeah exactly well i got my shop too and that's really the biggest my um etsy shop or facebook or whatever that's really the biggest um where most of the money goes back to is recreating stuff and purchasing stone and all that. So, yeah. I mean, heck, I'm sure you'll be okay with even donated material, right? Or Oh yeah. Yeah. Anything yeah. like you said, anything helps. Yeah, definitely. So anyways, so talking about, uh, you know, arrowheads or whatever, um, the, I guess the new, technique or uh, that you're trying if it would be considered a technique is the leaf shaped points oh right yeah um so i've been i've been experimenting with uh leaf shaped points from the middle paleolithic a few months back they found one on whole fells which is a german site (coughs) common commonly with um sorry let me get, get my head straight real quick at Whole Fells in Germany, they've recently published that they found a nether leaf-shaped point. However, when I, I recently found out that they've actually known about Middle Paleolithic leaf-shaped points for a long time now. It's just that now, since Neanderthals are looked at in a better light, they're starting to show people that they're way more capable than we once thought. Anyways, I... I've been experimenting a lot making these points and originally I thought that they were bifaced down from a flake or a, um, a uh, 
um, a parent rock. So you basically do the flint napping technique until you get the finished product. But what they're actually seem to be doing is taking flakes. So the Neanderthals are knocking off spalls as they're called in flint napping. <clears throat> and they're, um, they're basically making a flake tool, but it's actually a spearhead. And um, yeah, that's, and uh, I've gotten pretty close and I've refined it a little more. And I've also posted images of those and mine almost looks identical to the one found at Whole Fells. And it's just, um, it's exciting to kind of add that to the list of things and um, being able to incorporate that, it adds another challenge of trying to fully recreate their technology and kits and all that. And hopefully they publish more soon. So then the leaf shape, so is that more of, um, I mean, I guess, you could, is that more modern than the level wall or is there, like, do you um, get a different effect from the leaf shaped than you would the level wall? What, what's, why did they go, because level wall was first, right? Yeah, from my understanding, it's level wall and then the level or uh, Mysterian technology branches off from level wall, but they're both sort of used at the same time. Okay, so it's more of a progression uh, of technique is what goes from level wad mousterian, mousterian, yeah, mousterian to leaf shaped, or is leaf shaped the mousterian? So these, so leaf shaped points are are um, they're found in the Upper Paleolithic more commonly than the Middle Paleolithic. Uh, okay. So that would be like the Neolithic or going into the Neolithic, they become even more common than the upper Paleolithic. But in the middle Paleolithic, um, Mousterian points and level one points and all that were still, I guess, number one, like those are the most common you would find. But occasionally they find uh, these leaf shaped points, which actually, um, these leaf shaped points basically are, I, they're not predecessors, but they, they sort of look like Salutrian blades, and anyone who's into flint napping or prehistory knows what a Salutrian blade looks like. Um, it's basically a long, thin blade that looks like, uh, I want to say an ash leaf. Um, obviously, it's not a maple leaf shape. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the, they're, it's, I would say leaf shape points in the middle Paleolithic are like 1 in 1,000 or even probably more rare than that. Um, from my understanding, they've only been able to confirm two or three that are actually 100% undeniably made by Neanderthals. Nice. Pretty sweet. Pretty awesome. I love it. Love it. Love it. So, so okay. So just uh, we'll continue in regards to the, the points. Um, how is your progression going with your level wall points or the cores? So with that, I, I've sort of been moving away from making level wall cores and trying to focus more on making, I call them three below level wall points. Um, basically those are the ones that are triangular. They have like the double triangle and then the beveled blades. And I've almost got it down where I can make them regularly. So I can set a platform up and get a three below point, but it's still, 
I'm still failing making my platforms up, and I, I've gotten close on my last one, but I just need to make it multifaceted where I'm striking, and then um, I'll pretty much be almost 100% successful in accurately reproducing them. And this now reproducing level one technology, I've been at it for maybe three years now. And just now in the fourth year, I am finally beginning to understand the triangular points, which are my favorite technology to recreate just because of how challenging they're like um, making a native American style arrowhead is a walk in the park compared to making a Neanderthal level wild blade. <laughs> Fantastic. And I mean, four years into it, you're finally getting it at least down. You're not there yet, but uh, man, four years, that's, that's a long time trying. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah. And um, just to add on to that, I talking to Dr. Bisson for my, the interview I did with him. Yeah. It, um, it turns out that both Homo sapiens and Neanderthals actually practice this technology. The only difference is Homo sapiens, he said, went the lazy route and made long, narrow level wad blades, which you basically get from a long, narrow core. Neanderthals, however, were using or making short and wide level wad blades, which is the difficult route. And it takes years and years of years of practice to get to that point. Now, which one would have been, uh, obviously we don't know for sure, but which one would have been, um, I forgot what word I was going to use, um, more effective, I guess you can say. The shorter um, ones that the Neanderthals made? or the In terms of effectiveness, there, there's basically no difference. Um, it's just the route on which they went to recreate them. So is that when uh, early humans started? Is that whenever we started to get lazy then, huh? <laughs> I, I would say we've always been a lazy species, but <laughs> always trying to make things easier. Yeah, you know, get it done quicker, I guess. The easier route you go. And uh, oh, and um, yeah, sorry, ahead. adding on to that again, uh, it's unlikely that Neanderthals, so Neanderthals started practicing, practicing level one technology first before anatomically modern humans but what it looks like is happening in archaeological records is that homo sapiens and neanderthals actually developed the technology separately and that's why that's why it looks like neanderthals were making short wide blades and homo sapiens long thin blades let's uh keep going down that route now what we wanted to talk about other weaponry that neanderthals could have used Right, yes. Um, so most people inside and outside of this communities or these areas of interest really only see Neanderthals using spears, uh, like stabbing spears. Um, now it's becoming more common to think that they actually could have thrown them like javelins. But there have been many other sort of uh, tools and equipment that it's not direct evidence, but it's indirect evidence. So, <coughs> excuse me, um, bolas. So a bola is basically 
three rocks and then leather thongs that can be thrown at a deer or something and it will wrap around the legs and basically trip the animal. Um, you can make those without any, with just 100% perishable items. So leather does not last, wood does not last, uh, sinew, glue, none of that stuff lasts very long. So 100% possible for Neanderthals to make that. Another one is slings. So a sling and stone, think David and Goliath. Um, there is actually some rocks that appear to be ground down. I cannot remember the site off the top. I think it's an Italian site, but I just can't remember off the top of my head where the rocks are all uniform. So they think that they might have been sling ammunition, they'll call it. <laughs> um, what else? Throwing sticks in Shernigan. They recently found throwing sticks that were most likely used on waterfowl. So ducks and geese and all that. And um, what's interesting about their throwing sticks is that it's round on one side and beveled on the other, which gives it perfect aerodynamicity. I don't think that's how it's said. It's that's okay. aerodynamic. That's a good word. We'll keep it. We'll keep it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to make new words for that's this okay. podcast. <laughs> that's all right. Um, get it out there and get it started. That's a good word. <laughs> but but basically, this uh, the way they designed it, 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 it pretty much is a perfect throw for what you're trying to do. And now a throwing stick is not necessarily made to kill the animal, although it will. It's made to incapacitate them where you can run up and break its neck or whatever. Oh, okay. um, and obviously nets are possible with the recent tactile or uh, uh, string technology being found indirectly on the, on a stone tool. I think they found some woven or twisted together fibers that can only be made through fiber processing and then turning that fiber into cordage. So nets could have been possible. They might have been making bone harpoons for all we know. Um, I personally don't think that they were making atlatls or bows. Uh, but that's another thing that's possible. Like, again, wood does not last long. Antler doesn't last long. Um, and that's really all I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure they could have been making many other tools and equipment that without any archaeological evidence, we just have no idea. I mean, it's, you, you know, like we always talk and I always talk with, you know, the other uh, uh, interviews that I have, like the technology uh, outside of, you know, air, or, or airplanes and rockets and guns and bullets. I mean, outside of that type of technology, the, the you know, the more, you know, knives and, you know, arrows and bow and arrows and spear. I mean, though that technology had to come from somewhere <laughs> you know we didn't just think of that you know in the last 100 years or 300 years you know what i mean it's so that that has to be out there like with this the same with the nets i mean you know that, that technology had to come from somewhere you know it wasn't just a, a new technology discovered in the last couple hundred years you know yeah, and a lot of it all starts from an idea, like an airplane started from a guy wanting to make a glider. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how about any, um, you got any uh, new videos in the works? Yeah, um, so I'm working on one now called How I and Others Think 
uh, Neanderthals Hunted Mammoth. And basically, I've got about four or five people that sent me video clips to sort of give me their opinions on how they think Neanderthals hunted mammoth. <clears throat> and uh, the reason I started or got into making this video is because I won't say the channel name, but on YouTube, I watched an animated video of how this guy thought Neanderthals hunted mammoth. I was just thinking, this is god awful. <laughs> like, um, half the theories he was saying doesn't have any grounds in reality and i was thinking well i probably know a little more about neanderthals than said person so i'll make my own video um i won't i don't want to spoil too much but yeah, that no, video no. should be out maybe the middle of november okay awesome we will absolutely be impatiently waiting for it i promise you that I know a lot of people in my group are, are waiting. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and that's that should be a, uh, a compliment more than anything, because they know that you put your heart into what you put out there, you know, and that's, you know, again, that's why I had an interest in bringing you on with the Neanderthal mind, you know, as I know you put your heart into it and, you know, you know a heck of a lot more about it than I do. That's for sure. You know, and, uh, you know you've been awesome with coming on here every chance you get and well you're easy to talk episodes. to so i don't mind coming on <laughs> well, I appreciate that. definitely appreciate that and i look forward to you know hopefully a long uh relationship with this uh you know with uh neanderthal information yeah now um so we touched a little bit about uh your you know the recent um video that you did with uh Dr. Bison. 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 It's it's Bison with two S's, pretty much. Oh, gotcha. So, um, any more you wanted to talk about that? Like, what? Um, yeah, any more? Like, was there some things you learned from him? Oh yeah, I learned. I've learned so much. I can't even. <laughs> I basically can't get it all out. Um, we me and him talked beforehand on the phone and that in itself was a learning opportunity. Um, he, one of the things that stood out to me was he was talking about old scientists and how, when they found La Frassi in uh, France, the, the guy, so they got, and they had cameras back then and he would invite people, the original uh, quote unquote archeologist that, that wasn't really a term back then. But when he found the burials of Laferasi, he dug them up. Um, so he found them, dug them up, and then he went, he took the bones with him, went to a local news source, invited them over, reburied the bones, dug them up again, and did this like five or six times. And since these bones are so fragile and basically um, blocks of crumbling sand, they he actually broke and lost bones from back then <laughs> and uh that was one of the things that was really interesting and he mentioned butchering animals and deer with stone tools and how hunters were basically enthralled by this technique or uh, technology stone tool technology and just so much information was related and it, it's really like m probably my favorite video on my youtube channel at this point and um it just 
and the some of the stuff that got deleted he he was talking about how there's this one site and like sort of connects asia and the middle east africa and all that where there's all these different stone tool technologies being used at once and they're not sure if it was one species or a bunch living in the same area at the same time and um i, I emailed him about it but he's I don't think he's at home right now. I think he's in the States, so he can't reply right now, but I'm trying to figure out what that site was because like I said, it got cut out. The last three minutes got cut out. And um, yeah, but the whole time, it's just a learning opportunity. Like this, he's been in the field since the sixties and um, he's just a, a master in the field, really experts, not even a great word for it at that point. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like with, uh, you know, when I'm interviewing, you know, uh, the experts or, you know, whoever it might be, it's, man, it's just so much information. And like, I, I can't take notes and listen at the same time because I'll miss whatever they're saying, you know? So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I get, so then whenever I listen, re-listen to the interview, that's whenever I'm editing and everything, then that's when I start taking some notes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny how much stuff I, I truly do miss you know, the first time through that I pick up whenever I'm actually editing the video, you know, or the uh, podcast. So, yeah, some sometimes I have to re-listen to the podcast I'm on to answer people's questions. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, my grandmother, she she listens to them, <laughs> and uh, she'll be like, "So, what was this site's name?" And I'll have to go back and listen to it and give her an answer. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, obviously, you know, if anyone wants to know, uh, wants to learn what, what you, what, you know, what uh, Dr. Bisson taught you, Bisson, right? Uh, did I say it right that time? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. correct. Uh, what Dr. Bisson uh, taught you <laughs> during your interview, they can just go back and, uh, and listen to it on your YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah for sure. And um, I'm pretty easy to reach out to. Uh, just feel if you got a question for me, just please feel free to shoot me a message on Facebook or whatever. I don't mind answering. Yeah, yeah. And again, we'll include all your links. And uh, you know, I'm sure by now everyone has those links, but we'll still continue to include them because, I mean, it seems like every every day, I, you know, new more and more downloads. Uh, so I can only assume that those are new people joining <laughs> joining the ranks. You know, so we'll definitely include the links and everything for. For everything they need to get in touch with you so this one and i don't know if you had a chance to look into it read up on it find anything out about it uh but the new discovery uh lately with uh what, what homo bodoensis i don't know if that's how it was said if that's how it's said right or not um i've seen the skull and that's about all i know about it um it looks like they're saying it's from around 500,000 years ago. So and that was in the, the middle Pleistocene. Pleistocene. Yeah, that's Pleistocene. the start of the middle Paleolithic, yeah. Okay. That could be, uh, that might be a transitional period from uh, Homo heidelbergensis to Homo sapiens. Who knows? I have a better understanding of the middle pleistocene paleolithic uh upper <laughs> from my understanding it goes 
lower paleolithic which is like that starts with like oldowan technology which is australopithecines okay and then it ends at or the stone ages sort of end in the early bronze age is when stone tools started to become obsolete so that's about four four million years of stone tools i would say it's amazing And and Aldowan technology is basically a river rock that's been smashed a few times. Okay, all right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's how it started, though, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, from that's that, you, know, you have what you have today with your, uh, you know. So then, what's the what's the most recent? Um... The most recent use of fl- stone tools would be flintlocks. So when you're shooting flintlock guns, and there's the little yeah, the hammer goes sure. down and then okay. shoots a spark and then shoots the gun off. So then what about the, um, okay, so then what, if, if, if you have the answer for it, if not, no big deal, what would be the most recent flint napping technique or technology? Um, I would, oh, that's a tough one. I Definitely something in America or the Americas, I would say. Um, if we're talking like pure Stone Age technology, I would yes. say it's one of the Native American tribes. Okay. Or, yeah, that's that's yeah. Uh, the, the most recent yeah. I can think about. Okay. Or even, um, even probably in Australia, I know that the Australian Aborigines used to, They'd steal the insulators off of telephone poles and flip-nap them into what are called Kimberly points, which are amazing <laughs> <Okay>. points. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> and, and, you know, again, it's amazing how, you know, I, I, I don't know. Well, they, they may not have found the last um, uh, isolated tribe yet, you know, but uh, it's just amazing how, you know, even up to... Well, even now, I think there are cultures out there that have nothing to do with modern technology in a sense of, you know, they still, uh, you know, make their own tools and make their own clothes and, you know, that sort of thing. It's, it's, uh, there's the, there's North Sentinel Island. I know that they're uncontacted or they're not they're We know that they exist, but they're not part of modern, the modern world, which I don't blame them, but yeah, yeah, right, right. (laughs) Um, and obviously in the Amazon, I think they estimate there's something like 1,300 uncontacted tribes. Wow. And there could, they could very well still be uncontacted tribes uh, using stone tools. We have no idea, really. Sure. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Joe, I mean, um, that was all I had for you. I don't know if there's uh, anything else you want to you wanna get into, if there's anything we didn't uh, talk about that you wanted to you know get out there for this episode uh no i think we covered all uh a little disclaimer i'm not an expert i just read a lot of stuff <laughs> <laughs> for all the people out there yeah it's you know it's you you know a good bit about it and that's why i like coming to you with uh you know questions that i have and uh information to uh you know portray to both of our communities you know i mean uh, your community loves you uh, they follow you endearingly <laughs> and, well, they, they all love your podcast i know that much yeah, get messages about it all the time awesome 
Well, yeah. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? We'll have to get you on YouTube so you can start a YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes me nervous, man. <laughs> Doing <laughs> that it, stuff it, live. <laughs> you don't got to do it live. You just, uh, yeah. like, you could do what I do with the EA Megs interview and just upload pictures. And because most, most people, like, I don't know, if, I'm not going to talk for everybody, but from my understanding, most people who listen to podcasts are listening to it at work. So they're not actually watching um they're listening though that's what i do at least sure yeah and that's kind of what i always did too like the my nine to five the previous position i held i walked all day and uh, i was able to listen to geez, I, I don't even know how many hours of podcasts i listened to and that's kind of what led me to you know to to, to starting my own podcast so well it's a, it's a good thing you did <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate that and uh you know, keep on trying to go with it, trying to trying to make it better and develop it. You know, and like I said, that's why one of the bigger reasons why I wanted to bring you on. You know, to to help me take this uh, podcast to the next level, man. All right, Joe. Uh, again, like I said, man, is there anything else you want to talk about before we closed out? Uh, yeah. So, um, just had it popped in my mind, and I figured I would talk about how early man would have got some fresh water so in colder climates you can if you have like a an an animal bladder say you're an inuit person you can use a caribou bladder a walrus bladder you pack it full of snow and uh you'll put it under your parka and then as you're traveling the snow will melt and then you'll have fresh water when you're resting or if you live in a warmer climate you and you find water, but it's full of mud and bacteria and gross water. You can actually heat up some rocks and boil it. Or as Survivor Man said, uh, don't drink your own piss. <laughs> 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 Never drink your own piss. But you can make a sort of a double boiler. So you dig one hole and then you make a fire at a beach or something. And then that will create steam and you can collect the steam somehow. Um, I haven't seen that done primitively, but uh, early Europeans used to do that. Um, not, not out of their own urine, are you saying, or out of just dirty water? <laughs> uh, or, but, I mean, maybe they did. I think. I mean, I guess you can. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure how they did it. Okay. But I know there's a way. I think you put you put salt water in it, and then you create a double boiler. But you can also collect con- condensation. Yeah. Okay. Um, from urine and it won't contain the gross stuff <laughs> yes right right uh another thing is you can drink in africa i saw i also saw this from survivor man he squeezed uh elephant dung and got water out of it and then ah. it, which is pretty gross <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i guess in a survival uh in survival mode you kind of got to do what you got to do and what's the, you know it, it's a possibility that that's what they used to do you know yeah, I mean, obviously, well, uh, you know, mammoth or whatever it might have been, but uh, yeah. People people assume during the Ice Age that there was a lot of water. Um, trying to push this back more towards Neanderthals, but during cold spells and colder periods, uh, the, the sea levels were actually lower, and that's why we had areas such as Doggerland and stuff. And um, there wasn't a lot, a lot of water back then, but there was a lot of snow. And like I said, the Inuit will take, uh, well, animal stomach stuff with ice and their body heat will naturally warm it. 
And um, don't eat snow directly, though, because your body, if you're trying to survive, your body will use a lot of heat to actually melt the snow. Melt that snow, okay. Yeah. Uh, what else? Um, like there's we were... trees. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go, go ahead. Don't want to there's trees that, um, so like rotting trees will hold a lot of wood or a of course, trees will hold wood. <laughs> uh, rotting trees will hold a lot of water. So dead birch trees, um, in my own experience, if you squeeze them, you get a lot of water. And you get a lot of antibacterial stuff from the birch bark. Um, there's roots that hold water, cattails, all yes. that. Uh, and there's thousands of ways to get water out in nature. Um yeah, and that's pretty much what we'll close on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, like we were talking with, uh, you know, those processes had to come from somewhere. You know, they had they were they had to have been passed down from generation to generation to generation. You know, so they definitely had to have come from our Neanderthal ancestors or cousins or early human ancestors. You know, it's just. Yeah. And I always, well, I always go ahead, go ahead. Well, that's uh, adding on to that. That's sort of how alcohol was made, um, because it's actually safer to drink. Uh, mead is probably one of the first alcoholic beverages. It's actually safer to drink mead than it is to drink um, just on uh, boiled water or whatever. And uh, obviously, it takes a lot of resources to boil water. Yeah. So if you just if you add a honey and yeast basically you've got fresh well i wouldn't say fresh but you got a drinkable liquid that actually hydrates you very good well joe another awesome conversation man i appreciate it and uh you know like we talked i hope we get to uh do more of these conversations you and i together yeah i'm gonna try to come on more um it's definitely fun this might be a Sunday thing if it's all right with you. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll see. Good way to close out the week. It is. It is. Or or to start or to start the week. Either way. Or to start I the guess week. It depends yeah. on you know <laughs> what end of it you stand on. It's the end of last week and the start of the new week. <laughs> well, hey, uh, until we until we talk again, Joe. Um, you know, like always, I'll I'll put all the uh, all your links and uh, uh, you know everything that everyone can get a hold of you with, and uh, you know donate to you to to to, to help you uh, keep producing the awesome content that you always put out there, man. I appreciate I it. Think, and I, I know everyone else appreciates it. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, hopefully, there'll be another one next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, my brother, enjoy your week. Uh, hopefully, you work well. goes good for you. Shouldn't. Uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be talking to you soon. I'm sure. See you, everybody. Hi, right, Joe. Thanks for listening to the Nanothal Mind podcast. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you love what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the Neanderthal Mind podcast wherever you download your podcasts. And if you know anyone that you think would enjoy this podcast as much as we hope you have, please recommend the Neanderthal Mind to them. Until next episode, my fellow cave dwellers, don't forget 
Leave your cave drawings and comments on our wall at theneanderthalmind.com.